0: The Devil Within, the hit true crime podcast is back with a terrifying journey into the mind of a madman. In the 1970s, New York City had it all. Hip-hop, punk rock, and the Son of Sam. The Devil Within, a season in hell, is available now wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You know by now, patrons heard this episode first. When you join, you get episodes one day early, a bonus episode every month, priority when requesting a case, and a shout out on an episode. Speaking of, thanks, Amina. To join the Patreon, click the link in our show notes or head over to patreon.com slash themurderdiariespod. See you there.
2: Hey, I'm Paige. And I'm Natalie. We're the hosts of the Murder Diaries podcast.
1: We bonded over tacos and true crime after we matched on Bumble BFF.
2: You know, like any normal millennial using an app to
1: meet new friends. Every Thursday, we upload a new episode.
2: In each episode of The Murder Diaries, we tell true crime one story at a time. One week, it's my turn, and the next week, it's mine. According to IndianLaw.org, more than one in two Native American women have experienced sexual violence. Though available data is limited, the number of missing and murdered American Indian and Alaska Native women and the lack of a diligent and adequate federal response is extremely alarming to Indigenous women, tribal governments, and communities. On some reservations, Indigenous women are murdered at more than 10 times the national average. Statistics define the scale of the problem, but do nothing to convey the experience of the epidemic. Pepita Redhair is one of these missing and murdered Indigenous women. Pepita went missing as the global COVID-19 pandemic unfolded in March of 2020. She went missing from Albuquerque, New Mexico, where she lived with her boyfriend and was 28 at the time. This is her story.
1: You still think it's in my head, but I'm walking with the dead.
2: Pepita Madeline Redhair was born August 4th, 1992, to her mom, Anita King. She was raised in Crown Point, New Mexico, after moving there when she was just five years old with her family. Crown Point is a small census-designated area on the Navajo Nation's eastern edge. Pepita grew up with her mom and sister, Shelda, who calls her outgoing and optimistic. Anita says her daughter is kind and loving. With that, Pepita and her mom were very close and spoke every day. By the time she went missing, Pepita was no longer living at home. She had moved about two hours southeast of Crown Point to Albuquerque to live with her boyfriend, Nick. Again, Crown Point is small, and Shelda mentions that the community struggles to combat poverty and that there aren't a lot of job opportunities there. So it's no wonder that Pepita might have wanted to move on and see what else was out there.
1: Right. I I think it's definitely understandable that someone like Pepita may have wanted to look elsewhere, a bigger city like Albuquerque, for more opportunities to grow and spread her wings. While spreading those wings, Pepita did not leave her family behind.
2: After moving out, one of the things she always made sure to do was text or Facebook message her mom, always keeping in touch and often wishing her mom a good night before they went to sleep. And now for a moment to talk about our friends from True Crime Couple. Debuting in July of 2017, CrimeReads.com listed True Crime Couple on their list of essential podcasts of the summer. They've also made the monthly Hot 50 list for podcast magazine 12
1: times. Kay tells her husband, John, true crime stories, and he, along with the audience, follows all the twists and turns she lays out. Episodes are released bi-weekly, And they jump right into the story without any banter. True Crime Couple prides themselves on being respectful
2: to both the victims and their families. They aim to give victims back their voices, which we at The Murder Diaries love. You can find True Crime Couple wherever you're listening right now. You don't want to miss it.
0: Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermo hot tub may be the solution just a few minutes under those powerful soothing jets and all your stress seems to melt away like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles you'll not only feel better but sleep better too call 877-861-4672 now and for a limited time save $1,250 call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment
2: Sister Shelda says she always talked about how she wanted to make a name for herself. Pepita was determined to leave home and get a career. Pepita was a bit of an adventure seeker, and she never sat still. One of her favorite things to do growing up was skateboarding. And she didn't just skateboard around town. She could also be found at the local skate park. Her sister Shelda tells Disappeared that Pepita loved the adrenaline rush that skateboarding gave her. After graduating high school is when Pepita made that move to Albuquerque. In 2016, she had met her boyfriend, Nick, who was also Native American. The pair were affectionate, and Sheldon remembers that they were always hugging and saying, I love you. Five or six months after the pair had gotten together is when Pepita made this move to Nick's house. He was living in his parents' house, and that's where Pepita moved into, in Albuquerque.
1: It sounds like they fell hard and fast for one another. I mean, when you know, you know. We really don't know much about their relationship, but at one point, he even called Pepita's sister to ask about
2: Navajo weddings. He wanted to know what the ceremony was like and how it was all supposed to go. Sheldon says that she really felt like Pepita was feeling that Nick was the one. She even told her big sister of the promises that Nick gave to her, saying that they would one day own their own home and that he would provide for her as much as he could. Sheldon assures in her interview for Disappeared that Pepita was happy. That's what was going on for Pepita up until the last day she was seen, Tuesday, March 24th, 2020. Anita, her mom tells, disappeared that Pepita had come home and spent the day with her family. She then dropped her daughter off at Nick's family's house again, where Pepita was living, and the next day she didn't get any text or Facebook messages. And again, we know how weird that is because Pepita spoke to her mom via text or Facebook message every day. Anita didn't get any messages the next day either. Or the next day after that, Anita started getting really worried. She called Nick on March 27th and she asked him to please call or text her and let her know where Pepita is. She hasn't heard from her. With the way Anita words it for disappeared, it seemed that she maybe had left Nick a voicemail and he responded afterwards. But it's not very clear what the conversation looked like. Regardless, she says his response was that he didn't know she left. It's at that time, Anita knew something was wrong. She could feel it in her gut. Pepita just wouldn't be out of touch with her for this long. Shelda had a lot of questions herself when her mom called and told her that Pepita was missing and that she hadn't heard from her. Specifically, where would she go? What happened to her? All of those questions
1: went through her mind. What's going through my mind is, at what point did they speak with authorities?
2: They didn't wait long at all. They made a police report on March 28th. At that time, she spoke with some officers, and one of them told her basically that Pepita is an adult, and if she wants to go missing,
1: she can. This is something we hear all too often, and it infuriates me.
2: That makes two of us. We really do. In these police officers' defense, people do go missing and pop back up in a few weeks all the time, according to what they say. But you will appreciate that her family did not wait. Shelda and Anita started searching for Pepita right away. They started looking around the areas that they knew she spent a lot of time. They also made missing persons flyers. Aside from handing them out, they put those flyers in mailboxes around Nick's home where Pepita had been living and they put them on the doors in that area too. Canvassing the area with these flyers was not an easy task for Shelda and her mom. They were both single mothers. And listen, this topic could be a whole nother podcast but it's no secret the struggles that single bombs often face financially and or with time and life bandwidth here in the U.S. Luckily, in this case, extended family really came through and helped out the best they could. They donated their time and resources to help them continue to afford flyers and keep them printed. As they were passing out these flyers and speaking with people in the community, people did remember Pepita, but nobody had seen her since Anita had noticed she'd gone missing. Quote, a lot of them were in disbelief because she was always around.
1: And let's not forget the date Pepita went missing when all of this was happening is March of 2020. This is when the world was shutting down because of COVID. Pepita hasn't been heard from since March 24th. And the New Mexico governor had just declared a public health emergency due to COVID on March 11th. There's no way... This didn't impact Pepita's case. I mean, we know how crucial those first two days are and trying to get support and find her while the whole world is shut down. I can't imagine.
2: It really did affect her case. Police weren't really able to move to help and they kept telling Anita to wait. She'll show up. Part of this, of course, is due to those COVID restrictions and things of that nature. Darlene Gomez, a lawyer and advocate for missing and murdered Indigenous women, reflects on the hurdles this pandemic were still living through and how it affected the investigation to find Pepita. The Albuquerque PD had stopped all face-to-face investigations and they were low on resources as a lot of police were out sick. Another complication in Pepita's case is the Federal Department of Justice, the department that assesses people's relationship with communities of color, found that there is a systemic problem with Albuquerque police that goes back decades. The reporter discussing this on Disappeared, Sean, mentions that he's even experienced it firsthand as a Native man. Darlene, the lawyer and advocate, echoes and says, Quote, I do believe because Pepita was Native American that it really impacted how Albuquerque police looked at her case. There's obviously a lot to unpack here. And all of these complications for Pepita's case led her family to look to the Navajo police for assistance.
1: But then that's a different jurisdiction.
2: Yeah, this is an obvious jurisdictional complication. The Navajo police can't really do anything about Pepita's case. It's the responsibility of Albuquerque PD. Feeling helpless because of all of this, Sheldon was calling the local news stations to try and get coverage for her sister. It's unfortunate, and this is so heartbreaking, but she was shot down time and time again by these news stations. No one was willing to cover Pepita's missing person story. The reporter I mentioned earlier, Sean, said that it could have had to do with COVID because obviously this was a major global event and it was very scary. It was all that the news channels were covering. He follows this with a but, though, saying that it is a struggle to get coverage and attention for cases of missing and murdered Indigenous women, regardless of a global pandemic. Shelda and her family kept going, though, and she drove by Nick's house. She was wondering if maybe she was being held there somehow. Shelda arrived at the gate of the home, called for her sister, PETA, I'm here, it's Shelda. come out. But there was nothing. Nothing but Nick's dog barking and someone peeping through the window.
1: I've been wondering what Nick was up to this entire episode. It makes me wonder, was there anything else he was doing that made her more suspicious of him? Fill me in.
2: Unfortunately, Pepita had recently admitted to her mom that Nick was abusing her. The way it's explained on Disappeared is that Pepita had explained to her family that allegedly Nick had been getting out of control with drinking and, again, had been getting abusive. When Sheldon had the conversation with Pepita about all this, she told her, you know you can't be with somebody that does this. Once they do it, they'll always do it again. Anita encouraged Pepita to move back home with her, and Pepita did end up spending some time at home, but ultimately, she went back to Nick's house. That's what takes us to March 24th, 2020. It's not stated in black and white on Disappeared, but it's inferred that this is the date that Anita dropped her back off after she had been spending time at home away from Nick due to this abuse. As Pepita exited her mom's car, the last time her mom ever saw her, she said, mom, I love you. Take care of yourself. Drive home safe. It's pretty important to note here on Nick's side that he's never been convicted of any violent crimes, and this is according to Darlene, the lawyer and advocate. She explains, though, that there were multiple calls related to domestic violence to his home, though. These domestic violence-related calls that are are documented do, of course, worry Pepita's family because, remember, she had just returned back home to him after leaving because of this abuse. One of the calls that Darlene points out was from Nick on 2-6-2020, not long before Pepita had gone missing. There are also medical records that Darlene has that show on 2-10-2020, Pepita was hospitalized. And despite much redaction in that document, we can see that one of the reasons listed under reason for visit is, quote, assault victim. This is clearly documenting a violent history, and Shelda wishes that Nick had been questioned more thoroughly and that a walkthrough of his house had been done. According to Cinemaholic, on April 19th, 2020, Nicholas filed a missing person report of for Pepita on his own. He told police that on March 26th, 2020, the two of them had gone for a drink, but later they had an argument. At that point, Nicholas claimed that Pepita had left, and the following day, he says he got a text that said she was with a guy that we'll call L. The same reporter I mentioned earlier, Sean, said that police told him they did interview Nick once, and he's not a suspect. Darlene expands on this, saying that the Albuquerque police say they do not believe Nick is involved in any type of foul play, and that they have done everything possible to properly investigate. So they're going to continue to leave it as a missing persons case.
1: If what they have to say is true about Nick not being involved, what about the guy that she was with, according to Nick? Elle, did they look into him? Sean and Darlene were wondering that same
2: thing. And Sean asked police if they had looked into him. He got no response. Darlene says, It's my belief that they did not look into Elle's Facebook account, cell phone records. So I do not believe that we're able to determine if she was indeed with Elle. So basically, they don't even know if she was ever with him according to Darlene Pepita's family wasn't contacted at all according to her during this period of time and there wasn't any progress on her case no warrants or anything like that Darlene says quote I believe that this case sat basically unlooked at Shelda and her mom had to keep putting in the work on their own and search for Pepita this is when Shelda tells her mom to put L's name out on Facebook stating it's who Nick says that Pepita was last with they had no clue who L was but They hoped somebody else might. They got more than what they were looking for in July of 2020. Elle reached out to them himself. He says, hey, look, I knew Pepita, but I'm not involved in her disappearance. I don't know where she is. The last time I saw her was March 10th. That's two weeks before she went missing. On that day, Pepita had brought him a cupcake to celebrate his birthday. Elle says that when she gave him the cupcake, she was with Nick, and Nick was upset that she was giving Elle a cupcake. That caused an argument, and Elle alleges that he saw Nick strike Pepita. Okay, but did he do anything to help Pepita? No, he left. He says that he didn't want to cause any more problems. This is all according to Sheldon. Now, listen, that doesn't mean he didn't try to do anything beforehand, but yeah, Sheldon says that Elle told her he just left. So he witnessed this alleged abuse, and police haven't spoken to him. Darlene says that it's her understanding that contact had never been made with Elle. Unfortunately, he's deceased now. Wow. With Elgon, so are any of the answers he may or may not have had. The next thing I want to tell you about with this case is a phone call that Anita got from a
1: young woman who said Pepita was at City Park. Okay, but was there any other information she gave? Like, did she say who Pepita was with, what she was wearing, how she looked? I'm asking if she said anything else. No, that was it. Just that she was at City Park.
2: As you can imagine, the adrenaline was pumping. Shelda got in her car and raced to this park as quickly as she could. She was excited that maybe Pepita had finally been found, but she didn't know what she was going to get into. When she got to the park, she ran to the only people she could see. It was a couple at a park. They were drinking, and they had their back to where Shelda was coming from. She ran and yelled for her sister, Pepita, Pepita. But as she was calling out like that, she got no response. And as she neared, she realized it wasn't Pepita. She approached the couple and showed them the missing flyer, though, and they hadn't seen or known her. Even though she didn't find Pepita at that park, she didn't give up, though. She turned to Google for help, and she Googled City Park, just so that she could see if anything else was labeled or referred to as City Park in Albuquerque. What came up on Google Maps was a tag for City Park right on top of the Wood Spring Suites. You can still see this tag if you use Google or Google Maps and type in City Park Albuquerque. When Sheldon saw this tag, she immediately headed to the hotel and she noticed three men with walkie-talkies kind of surveilling the comings and goings of the parking lot. She also noticed a row of vans with blacked-out windows and license plates from different U.S. states. This really made her afraid that her sister may have been trafficked if this hotel was the city park referred to by the woman that called. Regardless if it was, they didn't end up finding Pepita there. Another call came in soon after stating that they saw Pepita by a grocery store on Juan Tabo Boulevard. And again, Shelda dropped everything and headed over to the area. This time, she sees the woman they were referring to, and it looked just like Pepita. She parked at the roadway in nearby and ran after the woman on foot, yelling, Pepita, hey, stop. The woman turned around and Sheldon says it was a, quote, spit image of Pepita, but taller with longer hair. She told the woman, oh my God, you look like my sister. The woman let her know. Look, a lot of people have been telling me that and they've even been approaching me. Shilda believes this may be the girl or woman people had been seeing when they were calling in sightings of Pepita who has been missing for going on two and a half years now. In those two and a half years, her family has been able to gather her things from Nick's house. And the district attorney from Bernalillo County in New Mexico, Raul Torres, has taken Pepita's case. And this is great because now there are two investigators assigned to work her case. Darlene, again, the lawyer and advocate, explained that those investigators have been able to get warrants for, quote, electronic media and telephones. They've also been speaking with the FBI and checking out places Pepita used to spend time. Another amazing thing they've already been able to do is gotten DNA swabs in order to help create and identify Pepita's DNA makeup. It's great that they're doing all of this work now, finally, in Pepita's case. But as Sheldon puts it, we don't know what shape she's in. We don't know if she's okay. We're looking for answers and we won't give up on her. We just want her home. In hopes that Pepita could hear her, Shelda said tearfully, I'm not giving up. I'm going to make sure. Either way, you come home or we find out. We're going to find you one way or the other. If we have to wait forever, then we will. Darlene, ever the advocate, stands with Pepita's family saying that they're going to continue to find answers and find justice for Pepita. We're going to end by giving the vital information on PEPIDA, but before that, I want to remind you that you can help combat the violence that Indigenous women face every day, as PEPIDA has, by supporting the National Indigenous Women's Resource Center. Anita is also attempting to build a reward fund for information on PEPIDA's whereabouts. You can support that through the GoFundMe link that we have in the show notes. Now, here's the vital information on PEPIDA. She was 27 at the time she went missing. She would be 30 years old today. Pepita was five feet one inch and weighed about 141 pounds. She had brown hair and brown eyes, and her race is Native American, Navajo to be specific. She's said to have been wearing a black shirt, skinny jeans, and black shoes. Pepita has four tattoos, a dinosaur on her right forearm, a koi fish on her left forearm, a butterfly on one of her shoulders, which is not specified, and the word, her name, red hair, on one of her legs, also not specifically stated. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Pepita, please call the New Mexico Department of Public Safety's missing person hotline, 800-457-3463. That's where we'll leave this episode. Until next time, you know where to find us at The Murder Diaries Pod on TikTok and Instagram at themurderdiariespodcast.com and request at gmail.com. And if you haven't
1: already, go ahead and give us five stars. It helps us keep spreading these stories. And until then, stay safe. Bye. Bye.